Have we officially started? Sure, we can start. We're the Sword Boys. We've never actually called ourselves Sword Boys on the show, so <laughs> someone should do that. What is the... What is... Okay, it's... it's Guys, you could just say it. You don't have to write it down. It's cut just, by cut with the Sword Boys? There's Sword Boys cut by cut. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Here we are Born to be king We're the princes of the Listener, welcome to Cut by Cut. We are the Sword Boys. I'm Rick. I'm Robin. I'm Jonathan. A good, this a true, is, oh, a true bunch of Sword Boys. That's yep. us. This is episode two of us hacking and slashing our way through Highlander. Uh, episode two here begins with majestic shots of the Castle McLeod of Clan McLeod, and we're going to wrap up this episode with the Kurgan receiving a visitor to his hotel room. Andy. As you do, as one does. <laughs> we kick off this week with that lovely pan from the uh, top of the parking garage into 1536 Scotland, and it is quite a transition. This is when the movie, I remember when I first saw it, this is when it stuck. I was like, I don't care what the rest of the movie is. If these are the transitions <laughs> and the music is this good, I'm I'm there. I'm 100% there. So, yeah, this transition, they go from the ceiling of the parking garage to the ground kind of of the lock yeah, of Clan McLeod. And we see our first piece of actual sort of, well, sort of actual real, uh, real set, real set slash real place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this is Eileen Donan Castle. Mm-hmm. Uh, in uh, in Scotland there. Um, fun thing about the castle that I found out is, mm-hmm. first and foremost, it's in more movies than just Highlander, but if you go to their website, EileenDoningCastle.com, you can actually rent it out for functions. Oh, sweet. That's where the Sword Boy premiere will be. Everybody, <laughs> everybody meet us there. Yeah. Bring your swords. And your kills. Bring your horses. Yeah. Bring your horses. Bring lots of scotch. This isn't horse boys. That's a different podcast. No. Yeah. That's that's our uh, sister show. Uh, <laughs> it's a rival show. Rival show. Yeah. They're watching. Those... They're watching Yellowstone one minute at a time. <laughs> oh man, that's gonna be a while. <laughs> gonna be a while. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's it was several films have been there. Uh. In the world is not enough. This was the MI6 temporary headquarters after MI6 got blown up. Uh, it's also CNN Entrap- Entrapment, Rob Roy, Elizabeth the Golden Age, and of course the Princess Switch Part Three. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. I thought this looked. Yeah, that's where I've seen it. That's absolutely where I. <laughs> Wait, is the Princess story. Switch porn? I don't even. I maybe I haven't seen it. <laughs> No, maybe you have seen it. You're saying no. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> not on not on Mike. Uh, it's a it. it's a Netflix uh, original uh, starring Vanessa Hudgens and Mike. Children have seen all three. <laughs> what happens? Is it like a Prince and Pauper kind of thing? Yeah, Freaky yeah. Friday or not Freaky yeah. Friday? What's the one where she's a she's two people? It's the Parent Trap, the Man in the Iron Mask. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking of. The man in the iron mask, the, the that funny movie. 
a standout Lindsay Lohan performance. Hey guys, there's swords in that movie. Add it to the list. Ooh. And basically okay. any three musketeer movie, add it to the list. I mean, as as long as there's some cling cling, I'm I am there. I am All right. There. Cling cling is your thing thing. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> and if Rob Roy was one of the movies shot out this castle, you know we've got to add that one because that's the movie that Liam Neeson learned to be so deadly. And we meet yeah. our uh, uh we, we we get to see uh, Connor in his original state with his I original guess. hair. Yeah. 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 If you watch it for the first time, you're like, whoa, 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 what happened? There's it's the same guy, or is it like an ancestor? Like if you you're know, watching we, it and don't come to grips with the fact this movie's about immortals, maybe you shouldn't be watching this movie. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna say, what do we think? What's our favorite Connor look? Is it Ooh. long hair or Ooh. short hair? Our favorite Connor. Um, well, he looks like McGrath the Crime Dog when he's new now, well, 80s, 80s Connor McLeod. Uh, we won't get into uh, what he looks like in the future until Highlander 2. <laughs> That's uh, true. So I would have to say right now, yes, OG Connor McLeod is pretty badass. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of fur. The kilts and the, oh, all the fur. Yes. And the and the and the background actors that we all every person in this movie you're like hey I know that guy yeah hey Wait, were they in Braveheart and the answer is yes yes probably <laughs> yeah uh, well there are a lot of extras they were apparently paid uh, twenty five pounds a day with a ten pound bonus if they brought their own horses that is so metal <laughs> okay that is so sword. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, I have I have a note. Um, since last time we started this, I did not buy the novelization. I, I sometimes read the novelization, but uh, we talked about it last time. I bought I bought I got the differences in between the book and the movie. The guy nicely enough tells you on what page it happens and what the oh, change good. was. Not change, but just things that are left out. One of the things left out from 1536. That's where we are, because the priest yells that at us. Exposition it, priest. Yes, I'm the exposition priest in the year of our Lord. Uh, uh, well, it could be a Ren fair. Well, this could be a Ren fair. That's that, true. You know, Connor might have a wig on. We're like, okay, is this a week ago or something? Or? Uh, so after there was uh, an attempt by the McLeod clan to settle their differences with the Frasers, Connor, Dougal, and Angus, the three guys, the three main guys right here, ride back from their village and on the way back they're ambushed by Frasers in the forest mm. the mcleods manage to kill them and then they flee into the woods the mcleods then this is them gathering their enemies fallen swords go to the village and get everybody and be like there's no peace to be had let's go so that's that's the pre stuff that's such a dick move like you go and try and sue for peace and after you leave, I mean, you've seen Braveheart. You, you know what happens you when you go. Woods. Yeah, it's you like, know what happens when you go to those peace meetings in Braveheart. Man, oh man, we're gonna have to do Braveheart, aren't we? We've talked about this before. Oh, we're gonna have to do Braveheart. All right, so, it's shit. about it's about as it's about as historically accurate as this movie. So, I mean, right. really. Speaking of history, uh, okay, the year fifteen thirty six, the year of our Lord. Yeah, the year of our Lord fifteen thirty six. A couple of interesting ha- things happened. Oh, around the world that okay. I was not oh, uh, I interested, oh, I God. was not aware of. So good, um, great year. For instance, uh, in January of 1536, King Henry VIII of England suffered a leg injury during a jousting tournament. And speaking of King Henry VIII, uh, on May 2nd, Anne Boleyn 
his second queen was arrested on the grounds of incest, adultery, and treason. So that's what's happening like in the Highlanders neck of the woods. Mm-hmm. But uh, down in Portugal on August 30th, the Inquisition was implemented. Um, if you go like Nobody to expects the... that. <laughs> well, I'm also wondering um, what month do you think it is right now in the Scottish Highlands? Oh, well, it's not winter. So Thank you. I'll say that much. Um, but yeah, on yes. February 2nd, Spaniard Pedro de Mendoza founded Buenos Aires, Argentina. But we haven't gotten to the real Spaniard of this thought. movie, the true Spaniard of this movie. <laughs> very Spanish. Yes. So Spanish. Uh, this is uh, it looks very boggy, like the everything's very wet. Now, they're in a lock. Obviously, they're in like an inlet. But I almost was like, what do those people like? What do they do during the day? <laughs> Like are they are they bog farmers? Are they bogged down with anything? They're bog farmers. They just they just walk around piling dirt and other piles of dirt. Yeah, you got to get peat from somewhere, I guess. What do you <laughs> use peat for? It's uh, for burning. Well, everything's for burning. <laughs> that's like saying Chicago was built for burning. I mean, it did burn, but that's because it was a mall made of wood and you know gasoline. Uh, yeah. Well, in the making of Highlander, they used a bunch of peat to disguise a car park that was all nice and paved around this castle. So, oh yeah, for the yeah. tourists, you know, we get our first real, like our first real costuming, and it's it's not bad. I like the extras and all this. Mm-hmm. I think everything. I mean, this was just, this was not a big movie, and the fact that they have this many extras all dressed up, everybody looks really cool. I was yeah, I was impressed. I- I really appreciate about the costuming is that Clan McCloud is actually wearing the colors of Clan McCloud. Yeah. And when we see Clan Fraser later, they have the mostly red tartan of Clan Fraser. And so they've done at least a little bit of research as to what these clans wore and what they look like, what their standards were. Um, yeah. They just, you know, had to fudge the history a little bit. Cause do you guys, do you guys have any Scottish in you? So, Not currently. Would you like some? <laughs> um, th- I I am a I would be someone fighting the McLeods. I am McDonald of Slate. That's what I've always been. Uh, our people came from the Isle of Slate, and the McDonalds and the McLeods are lifelong enemies. So, uh, only thing that sucks about my tartan is. If you grew up in the 80s, my tartan looks like the McDonald's Corporation, what they used to have the vests, the little vests that they used to wear. The, the yeah. uniform of McDonald's employees was the McDonald tartan. There is no <laughs> other tartan, you know, because there are there are different kinds. Uh, uh, if you don't know Scottish stuff, the Scottish stuff. <laughs> Here's my segment. Scottish stuff. If you don't it's know, there there are formal versions of all the tartans and there are also each, there are derivations of each tartan in each town because it's not a perfect now it is now you know now everybody's kind of codified what your tartan is but you have different versions of it like they wouldn't wear their formals to fight their formals are like for burial and marriage and stuff like that so and whatever else you did in 1536 not die not get a cut and die I guess yeah, pretty much yeah don't get sick don't Don't ever get sick Speaking of costuming, the costume designer is an Oscar-winning costume designer, James Atkinson or Atkinson. Uh, he won Oscars for uh, movie Restoration, Dangerous Liaisons, and The Last Emperor. Oh, uh, so he does. So he always does other people's cultures. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he's he, known for. He got start. He got to start designing costumes for those classic 1970s Doctor Who episodes. Mm. He went on to like Time Bandits and Brazil, and like in the 2000s, all of a sudden he switched from like period pieces to super suits. He did all the costumes for Sam Raimi's Spider Man movies. Oh, sweet! Uh, Man of Steel, Daredevil. So not not the new Daredevil. The the. Yeah, the the Affleck yeah. one. Yep. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> that's. I mean, it's. I mean, it's a good looking suit. It's weird, yeah. but that's awesome. Everybody's got to start somewhere. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. We get uh, one of my favorites is James Cosmo. Uh, he's Angus. Oh yes. Uh, great uh, actor. Actually Scottish. I did look up him. He's he's probably most well known in pop culture nowadays as being uh, Lord Commander of the Night's Watch, uh, Mormont uh, yes. from Game of Thrones. Yes, and he was most recently Jonathan in eight episodes of Jack Ryan. So yes, he was. He's very good in it too. I remember when he came on. I'm like, hey, it's the guy from Braveheart. I didn't think, hey, it's the guy from Highlander. That's my fault. I apologize. That is, yeah, Highlander. Yeah, he's obviously a better movie. He's got a knack for playing in things that feature swords. Like he was Glaucus and Troy. Jonathan, as you mentioned, he was Campbell and Braveheart. He was also Father Christmas in Chronicles of Narnia line, which the wardrobe rolling around the forest, handing out swords to children. I mean, let's be honest. The same people are all in are all in uh, Braveheart are also in Troy. It's almost the exact same cast. Dougal, played by Billy Hartman. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wanted to mention he he went on from this role to basically starring in a, a soap opera in Britain called Emmerdale, uh, a soap that's been around since 1972 and is still going. Now, is that uh, what Riverdale was based on? Because I know that American <laughs> stuff is just, you know, ported over British things. Unless we're, if Riverdale took place on a farm, <laughs> maybe. I, I never actually watched Riverdale, so I had no context <laughs> for what it actually is. Brendan Gleeson. Uh, Sorry, I said Donald Gleason. <laughs> I always okay. say Donald Gleason because I I can I always get Brendan Gleason mixed up with Donald Gleason. Billy Hartman, uh, who played Dougal, was formed a country rock band with his co-stars from Emmerdale called the Woolpackers, and they had yeah. a hit in 1996 called "Hillbilly Rock, Hillbilly Roll." Cue the music. Are we sponsored by them? <laughs> uh, I I like these. Guys. I mean, who do we like more? Ooh. We like Angus. Who's your favorite Highlander? Who's your favorite cousin? It's Angus, because he's a Angus. he's a true Scotsman. Yeah, I gotta go with Angus only because my opinion is tainted because of what I know these characters are gonna do later on. Right. Well, also right. I'm tainted because he's been in other things that I know. Yeah. So, I guess you're not a big Emmerdale. You're not a Woolpacker fan. I, I you know, not, not anymore. Not since their early stuff's fine, but <laughs> I really think they they overshot their mark. And when they went solo, ugh, <laughs> awful. They lost that soul when they uh, went big, right? When they were just playing the the little clubs and pubs, that's when they were the best. So, so it's uh, interesting. Uh, this is. Uh, it seems this is Connor's first battle, which kind of goes against. I mean, maybe he, you know, before was his first peace treaty, and now this is, he's like, oh man, I guess I got to go to war now. <laughs> so, well, I get the sense in this that he's a fairly young man. Mm, sure. Uh-huh. The, the ruling family here. He looks older than everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, I, 
some uh the Kirkin calls him a boy later <laughs> you know i guess Ooh. clan mcleod was just really lucky to have an extended time of peace up to this point so a lot of colors yeah. it's super weird that like is he supposed to be like 18 or 19 in our in our like kind of in the mind of the movie that's how it kind of feels like he's an untested but eight or 18 or 19 at this age in this world is old it's half yeah. your life like yeah. if he's like supposed 14, to be is he 14 he's middle-aged if he's supposed to be like old. mid to late 20s like Christopher Lambert was when they filmed oh, this. The fact like, that he's he in his have, mid to like, late 20s is still shocking. He shocking. should have like a bunch of little ankle biters running around. Because yeah. Kate comes to show him off. Like oh she should have several kids chasing after her. Can we talk about Kate? The oh, worst, wow. yeah. the worst, most shrill woman ever. <laughs> like, he dodged God. a bullet. By this point, according to the Highlander wiki, now I haven't read the novelization like you have, Jonathan, but apparently she's supposed to be his wife. Like they they were betrothed mm. and married. She is Kate McLeod, you know, wife of, Clan of McLeod. Connor here. Okay. In the in the lovely hamlet of Glen Finnan. Mm. Oh, it's it's always lovely to get married and I'm gonna go with quote unquote spring when the <laughs> when the peat is rising and it smells like i don't know I, what does peat smell like well i know kind of what peat smells like because i drink whiskey and that's made sometimes with peat okay. right yeah they, sure. they burn peat yeah okay <laughs> uh, i gotta I, go look uh, up how they make whiskey <laughs> go on while you're while you're doing that i got some fun facts about the actress who plays kate this is oh, celia excellent. emery celia actually has a son named angus uh <laughs> uh at age 14 she was put under treatment for anorexia. Uh, apparently the psychiatrist pumped her full of antipsychotics and gave her electroshock therapy. It's something that she still has nightmares about to this oh day. My God. Oh. That's awful. It, it said in IMDb, her tr- one of her trademarks is impressively muscular arms. <laughs> did it, uh, did it stop sure. her shrillness though? <laughs> no, but she was in Mamma Mia, Bridget Jones's diary, the exotic Marigold hotel, hotel uh, films. Uh, she I, actually, I, I love the show better things, Pamela Adlon's uh, show. Mm-hmm. And she plays uh, Pamela Adlon's uh, mother in that, in that show. And it, uh, if you're wondering, Pete gives a smoky oh, flavor to whiskey because peat fires are used to dry malted barley. There you go. Go on. Uh, Celia also auditioned for Shmi Skywalker. She ended up playing a fighter pilot in Phantom Menace. And she says, speaking of working with George Lucas, she says, he's very cool, as you'd expect. He asked me to take off my lipstick, though, as I was going to be the first female pilot they'd ever used. I thought I'd put on some lipstick and make an effort. <laughs> so. Wait, to, to try for Shmi? No, when, when, she, when she didn't get Shmi and she got the fighter pilot... She's like, well, this is the first female fighter pilot in Star Wars release order, right? <laughs> Always. Uh, uh, um, so she's like, I'll put some lipstick on and look. I guess Lucas uh, said, no, no, no. <laughs> Wipe that off. Oh, well. So, so yeah, Kate gives Connor flowers and reminds him to fight with God on his side. And Angus is like, a girl like Kate could wound a soldier more than a Fraser's sword. Uh, hey, yeah. Which is a, a bit of foreshadowing, I think. <laughs> We haven't talked about the geese that are also walking ahead of the the fighting men. There's four geese. Are they part of the? Uh... I guess they're 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 part of Clan McLeod. I guess. 
And one of the uh, bagpipers is definitely a woman. Uh, at minute 143 of this chunk, of this slice, of this cut, <laughs> yeah, it's a lady. That's a lady piper. Uh, look at it. She's it the closest. Piper? She's on. The, if you're looking at the screen, she is to the left of the priest. I'm glad okay. that you noticed the the pipers because my eyes were glued to the fact that the cross on top of the building is it's on fire, fully engulfed in flames. <laughs> and I was like, "What in the hey, whatever is going on there?" And, you can say, uh, "God damn, it's okay." Yeah, uh, there's a priest right there. <laughs> <laughs> well, it turns out that that's like a distinctly Scottish thing. Oh. Um, it's, this cross is on fire. In Scotland, the fiery cross, known as the Krantara, was used as a declaration of war and a site that commanded all the clan members to get together and arm up. In, in a town that's mostly area. made of wood, that's a ballsy move. Yeah, I mean... I'm kind of cringing at the idea of clan members assembling over a fiery cross. But yeah, yeah. I don't like. I don't know if I like that. <laughs> Not a big fan. Uh, there was an alternative way to do this, where you carry around a lit cross from you know domicile to domicile, but like a tiki torch, you know. Well, Father <laughs> Knapsack or whatever he is, Father <laughs> Potato Sack over here, I guess didn't want to carry that. Yeah. So, but yeah, the, that character uh, specifically is Father Rainey. Okay. Oh, so it's okay. it's lucky for them that it's such a clear blue sky day. Yeah. Well, it's a it's a Scottish it's a nice day. It's mostly <laughs> overcast, but somehow there's sun somewhere. Right. Speaking of dumb jokes, uh, the 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 quote that Aga says is like Kate could wound a soldier more than a Fraser's short sword. And so this is the first actual mention in the movie that they're going to go fight the Frasers. And I'm imme- I'm immediately thinking of like they're going into battle against a bunch of Brendan Fraser characters like Rick O'Connell, the Whale, uh, Encino Man, Robot Man's in the in the fray. You know, blast just from like the past. All- <laughs> just blast. Hey, I'm blast from the past. <laughs> Hey, I'm, uh, that's his name, Blast PD Past. The this well, is well, this will come up in the next scene when we get to the actual Frasers. But there seems to be you were talking about the reform of uh, the Inquisition going on. Something's going on with Christianity because if you watch the, um, thank goodness uh, Rick has the subtitles. They're not great, but <laughs> they do sometimes say some of the stuff in the background you normally don't hear. And one of them, he goes death to the non-believers or death the uh they call them something like infant- heathens heathens which Either. means yeah. they're not the right church they must not be uh, church of england what it was wait what are they doing at this point what is the spanish inquisition would that have anything to do with scotland so as far as christianity in scotland is concerned this is like i'm not an expert on christianity yeah. in scotland but the uh the catholic church or the catholic version of christianity came to england with the romans it spread kind of from england up towards ireland and then in scotland kind of got pincer moved with all of that so the thing about christianity in scotland is that it was more interested in the monastic traditions that it was in proper you know stone church you know here's your priest and your vicar and stuff like that and so Father Rainey here, aside from being an ordained priest in the Catholic Church, he was most likely an abbot of the local monastery, uh, pulling double duty as you know the leader of the monastery and the spiritual leader of the group, the community, I should say. Well, 
I can't keep it all straight. So I'm glad <laughs> you looked that up. I mean, I also don't care. <laughs> so I should just have said that. I should just say I don't care. So right. there was they're going to fight 1836, a bit of a Protestant reformation going on. Uh-huh. So it's most likely a situation where these two clans, they're both worshiping just a different flavor of Jesus. Yeah. You know, <laughs> my Jesus burned on a cross that was on fire. Mine didn't. All right. Yeah. And then we go uh, to the beautiful, cloudy, different, definitely shot on a different day. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> battlefield of, you know, the, of wherever the hell they are. They're in, uh, they're near the mountain of, oh God. Bukil Etiv Big. Oh, you got to say it. You got to really slather on that Scottish Big. And I, I, Got the map. I got Google Maps out. It's about a 28 hour walk from the castle in real <laughs> life. Right. So, you know what? This could be the next I'm, day. I'm glad you brought that up because from the Eileen Donan Castle down to Glenfinnan, it's if you go by the crow flies, it's about 30 miles, <laughs> which is a bit of a walk just to go from castle to town to get sent off. So, you know, these Highlanders, they got that? stupendous. <laughs> Stamina. Yeah. Very muscular legs. Well, you can walk yeah. really far when you're not wearing underwear. That's something a lot of people don't know. Yeah. You can walk you a lot. Let the further. boys breathe. Yep. This is now I'd like to talk about this. Yeah. Um the uh, uh the, I would like to call this MSM. Is this the MSM mode? And we'll have that going on through this is most swords of the movie. Is <laughs> is this cut have the most swords of the movie? I think so. And I think as we go on and we do movies we're not quite as familiar with, we could actually say, oh, this is an MSM moment. Or is Mm. it like, is this the most? Because when you go to like He-Man, I don't remember if there's more swords later. And if He-Man's the only one with the sword, like I I can't remember if he's the only sword in that entire movie. The secret of the sword is there's only one. (laughs) Well, there can be only one, right? Yes. Yes. Right. We hear that for the first time in this. And we see for the first time, thank God, Clancy Brown is here, guys. Clancy Brown has shown up. Uh, And his costume is freaking badass. So Uh freaking badass. We mentioned earlier, like, what is your favorite Connor look? This might be my favorite Kurgan look. Oh, it's the best. Because he just gets gets worse and worse. He turns into Egger. From Men in Black, he gets grosser and grosser to the end of the the end of the movie. He's just this bloated, like horribly shaved man. This is so cool. He is the cover of a metal album, right? I now. went and looked it up. It's supposed to be. It's not. It's supposed to be like a saber tooth type of animal, uh-huh. like because he's. Oh, let's talk about the Kurgan. He's been around for three thousand years. At this point in the eighties, he had been around three thousand years. Right. So he's got, you know, how you play a video game and you acquire gear over years. He's got a lot of gear because mm-hmm. we're uh, 2,500 years into his life. Yeah. I, I read that uh, the original, one of the original versions, they were calling him like the Black Knight. And he had, he had so much more backstory to him. Mm-hmm. So much so that they were initially going to call this movie <laughs> The Dark Knight. <laughs> Yes, we talked about that, and that's terrible. All black and all black. Like, is this the bad guy? <laughs> like, 
Hmm. It's it almost doesn't fit because you're like, oh, is he part of this clan? And but they take care of it. The movie's very he's like, remember our deal. What's the deal? Like, what are the Frasers getting out of this? What just that, the Kurgan sword? What that tells me is that the Kurgan shows up to the Frasers and he's like, Hey, I know you guys got beef with the McLeods. There's one McLeod among them that I want to kill, but I don't want to just roll up on this guy and murder him solo. I need like some sort of why melee because if the Kurgan kills Connor in a melee, then it's just a death that happened in the course of battle. No one's going to be like, Hey, that, you know, guy dressed in the badass armor, he hunted down and murdered our dude. We need to hunt him down in kind because he's a lowly assassin. No, if it happens in the battle, then it just gets caught up in the fracas. So you can uh, more easily anonymously murder someone that you want to kill. Okay. Well, I don't know about this. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to call a foul. Uh, if you're in the middle of battle and you behead a highly, like a, an immortal, like, freaking lightning is going to come down and all this stuff. It's like, it's really going to make it so somebody's paying attention to you. The <laughs> quickening has never happened. In this movie, the quickening never happens in front of other people. Robin, yeah. there's a difference between a villain and a supervillain, and that difference is theatricality. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. The costuming alone. Uh, all right. How old do you guys think Clancy Brown is here? Because I have his age. And, oh, okay. Uh, um, it's stunning. <laughs> uh, I'm sure he's like 22 years old or something. Uh, nope. 27. 27. 27. This is 27-year-old Clancy Brown. He doesn't wow. look like it at all. Well, I mean, I'm I'm shell-shocked because of uh, of uh, Connor McLeod being 27 also. They're the same yeah. age. Yeah. Which is absurd. Yes. <laughs> like... This is no, where we can talk about the famous story. Clancy Brown was not paid for this movie. That's messed up. I, that, that he never made it real, right? What? He he did not receive payment in anything other than like being in the movie for this movie. It's it he, makes, he talks about this all. He will talk about it. He has right. talked about it before. I'm pretty sure at this point he's tired of it. He was not paid one dime for this movie. And he was supposed to get money and he was never paid it. It was one of those, oh, you're nobody. We'd like you to be in this movie and we'll pay you something after the movie comes out kind of thing. Because And he's wow. a 27-year-old nobody. Okay, mm-hmm. I'll be in this movie. Yeah. And he's never been paid. His not greatest role because he's been in so many great movies. And right. he's, he's, hey guys, Clancy Brown's doing just fine, okay? Don't anybody yeah. worry about Clancy Brown. The man he doesn't has been, need the Highlander money. Man has been a voiceover actor for thirty years, oh. also, and it was on SpongeBob. Those guys were making tons of money for SpongeBob. Okay. When somebody, when when I have a younger person, Clancy, Clancy Brown somehow comes up in conversation, and a younger person immediately, as soon as Clancy Brown's name is mentioned, goes, "Oh, Mister Krabs." Mm-hmm. Like, it's the Kurgan. Okay. <laughs> Come on. That's how you can tell how much better rules uh, someone is just by us. Yeah. You want to shock a young person. You tell them, hey, there's a movie out there where Mr. Krabs tries to kill Raiden from Mortal Kombat. And they'll be like, <laughs> what the hell are you talking about, old man? Yeah. Yeah. Mr. Krabs versus Tarzan. <laughs> I wrote down a whole bunch of uh, uh, things that Clancy Brown was in, but maybe it's best if we say, like, well, besides Highlighter, like, what's what's some of your favorite uh, Clancy Brown roles? Oh, okay. 
I mean, I, I'll go first since, you, since I kind of sprung this on you guys. There was an HBO show that ran for two seasons, and I freaking loved it. It was called Carnival, mm-hmm. and he played a priest in it, and uh, and he he was a basically a priest being seduced like by the dark side. He was going more and more evil. He was called Brother Justin, and I highly suggest anybody who has HBO Max to uh, just kind of watch that. If you like, if you like, uh, like almost like something like uh, Twin Peaksy or not Twin Peaksy. I'm trying to think. So it, it, it basically takes place uh, in during the Dust Bowl, but I'm, I'm going on along. Uh, what what are your other uh, Clancy Brown? Who are your Clancy Browns? <laughs> My number one Clancy Brown is Starship Troopers. Oh, yes. He's Sergeant Zim or Private Zim. Uh, my other one would be Shawshank Redemption. Um, I think those are probably the two biggest ones uh-huh. that I have for him. Because yeah, the other ones are like, I mean, he's in like a ton of, he's in a, like a ton of robot chicken and does a bunch of that stuff. So I don't really, yeah, you know. Yeah, I guess he originally, he was Lex Luthor in uh, Superman, the animated series. He actually auditioned for Superman first. Oh. And Bruce Tim was just like, uh, you actually sound more like a bad guy. We don't want Superman <laughs> to be sound like this because it's scary. Yeah. Up, up, away. Lois, I am Superman belongs to the world. I guess he played a cop in Moonwalker, <laughs> the Michael Jackson. Oh, uh, okay. Or whatever. Okay. Okay. I'm a big fan of Dexter. his voiceover stuff. Like, oh, he oh, was in uh, the I'm Star so... Wars, the Clone Wars. Yes. He was a bunch of voices there. He actually got made up for the Mandalorian. Like his Star Wars stuff is impressive, but also like voiceover stuff. He was the voice of Surtur in yep. the uh, Thor Ragnarok movie. I completely yes. forgot. He's one of the Blue Blazer regulars in the Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai across the eighth dimension. One of my right. favorite sleeper movies. Uh, if you've never watched that movie, there are. Oh, wait, there's a sword in it. He has a katana. Mm-hmm. Well, I've lesson. never seen Buckaroo Banzai. Just you so got to you know, see it. It's it might weird be as hell. kind of fun to go through it sword by sword. Or whatever, cut by cut. <laughs> I mean, that might be pushing it because the, the sword is Buckaroo Banzai literally has one, but no um, one else does. Like, it's not like he fights anybody. So uh, that might yeah. not be cool. Maybe but, we'll do uh, a series of we'll do a series of quick decapitations where we just do the whole movie in one episode. <laughs> and, and a movie that yeah, I hate. Can I, can I say my the, the the movie I hate him the most in? And it's not uh-huh. his fault. It's The Bride from 1985. One of the worst movies ever made. Uh, if you've never uh, seen it with Sting as Frank and Dr. Frankenstein. Jennifer and Beals. Jennifer right. Beals. Yeah. Uh, Jesus, who's it? Clancy Brown, um, the little guy, uh, David Rappaport, not that David Rappaport, different one. That's Michael, Michael Rappaport. Rappaport. <laughs> no, David Rappaport. He's a uh, small person. He was also in Ice Pirates, not Ice Pirates, but uh, uh, Time Bandits. Ice Pirates has a sword. Uh, yes, Ice Pirates does have swords. We're, good luck finding it. <laughs> we might be able to find quote unquote find it no one's going to be able to listen because no one else is going to be able to get it <laughs> I swear it, it was on like hbo for a while then. oh it was on hbo for 10 years and i no, watched I it like, every day anyway yeah clancy was just uh, just in uh the last i guess last season of dexter dexter new blood uh yes he was, he was he was great i'm not gonna say who he was but he was great in that movie yeah or show I love him. Um, this is yeah, a great, great scene. This is one of the one. This is the my MSM of the movie. This is the most most sword moments we're gonna get. We see his sword for the first time. We don't get a lot. We get actually yeah. more detail on his sword and Connor's sword in this because there's some nice, you know, 
middle shots kind of of, of, of them just kind of there. Uh, you, you don't get to see all the intricacies until later on in this cut. But McLeod's, I can't believe they gave a 14-year-old boy a sword with his own name on it. That seems like <laughs> a lot to to put into you know this this fight but we'll get to it the the fight begins in the bog it's if you watch it if you watch the really big the 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 large the large scenes with the large group scenes the fighting is trash it's absolute <laughs> trash absolutely impossible to follow which might be argued as a stylistic choice because the whole idea of a melee is that it is chaotic and hard to follow I've got some trivia here for you. All right. Uh, the the uh, production's medical team was very busy during these scenes uh, because most of the Scottish extras, after a liquid lunch, were yes. asked to fake fight. Uh, oh, no. Uh, and some of them, yeah, some of the extras were locals, and really their only pay was, they said, nothing but a good bottle of scotch at the end of the day. <laughs> They'd sleep outside, drink half the night, and then show up for work in the morning. Yeah, a lot of people don't know that guy that gets uh, drowned. That was a real drowning. They just put it on film. That really happened. <laughs> Are you sure they weren't trying to sober him up with a cold splash of water? I don't know. <laughs> that <laughs> that scene horrifies me. Any sort oh, of yeah. oh god. And they take yeah. you and put you underwater, like like go to sleep. <laughs> yeah. Like, my intention is never to be in the middle of a battle, but if I were, I feel like I would stay away from standing water that my head would be pushed under. You know, well, just I, as a rule of thumb, don't. I, hang I would out be running around the water. edges of the uh, fight. I would never yeah. run in there. This is a this is one of those ones where you're like, well, he, <laughs> of course the Kurgan's going to win. He's on a horse, and then he gets right off the horse. The first thing it's, he does, it's like being with your friends while they're like moving furniture. You're like you're constantly like staying on the outside. You you need me? You got an, you need another another hand on that? No, no, no. Good, you good? Okay, just you, carry that right up. Then that's fine. Um, <laughs> All right, let me get my dumb joke out. Uh, Kurgan uh, does say to Murdoch here uh, mm-hmm. his favorite Brandy and Monica song before they go into. Uh, the, he says, "The boy is mine." Murdoch's like, "Yeah, me too. That's, that's I love that one." <laughs> but yeah. I do actually have rules, uh, uh, questions, and it goes throughout uh, probably the entire movie. Uh, is there an immortal archive somewhere? Why is it that Kurgan knows? Like maybe he feels drawn to something. But he knows his name. He knows his name. And also it's as if he passed a picture around to the rest of the Frasers. Like, don't kill this guy. Because they walk around. They're like, no, not him. Not him. How do they know this is Connor McLeod? Because they said, there's a a 14-year-old boy in that town (laughs) who looks like a 48-year-old man. He also looks French. He's also also got a sword with his name on it. Literally. As blind as a bat. If he's just kind of walking around lost, that's him. Yep. There you see are someone who parts- doesn't look like they know what they're doing, and his name is on the sword. I went and looked up <laughs> when you go to the Kurgan in the Wikipedia. There are there is some some re rebranding of the Kurgan, kind of like that. He had visions. One of his one of his things was he could see the future. Oh, interesting. Not the future, but he knew the name of the person basically that was going to kill him, which is why he has a hard on for. Connor McLeod. Uh, now that means that it's taken him this long to get to where he needed to get because you know it's the 1500s. Yeah. This boy is only 14 years old, a, a wee babe, you know, growing up. But a wee baron, is yeah, a wee baron, a baron. <laughs> a baron. And yeah, he ru- he's running into uh, he's running into fight, and uh, 
I love that we're at a point where it's like baby Connor doesn't know how to fight anybody. So he just stabs him. Yeah. Yeah. Don't raise your sword behind your head. Well, <laughs> there's no other way to raise that sword. It's a broad sword. Yeah. It's- so he's falling back with it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I feel like we didn't do a really good breakdown of the sword fight in the last chunk. So I okay. went through this initial battle between. What, what do you Connor mean? The seal did 900 backflips. I think we would. Uh, we were exactly how it flick flacks. The flick flacks. Yeah, he did flick flacks. <laughs> And then they they touch swords three times, and then it's over. I'm just saying, it's time for a sword fight breakdown. Okay, go for it. Okay. It's a sword fight breakdown. First, uh, first move in this fight, Connor. He's coming in. He keep, he's keeping his shield high because he knows that his head is completely unarmored. That is a weak point on him. He is wearing studded leather everywhere else. He assumes it's going to protect him because studded leather is great for slashing, and he assumes that slashing is going to happen. So he keeps his shield up to protect his head. He's going to bring that sword down in a downward slash, right to left, hoping to catch the Kurgan right in the neck where the, you know, shoulder meets the the helmet type of thing do you think that this this buffoon knows how to fight a man in armor i think he knows how to fight a a a stick covered in straw that looks like a man (laughs) well don't call it straw it's peat please it's our it's our natural resource of peat yeah i think he's looking at the kurgan holding his sword in the right hand he says okay if i cut down from right to left he's gonna have to do some sort of weird blocking thing it's my best angle uh, the Kurgan, however, does not move to block the slash. He just keeps his sword tip down, goes right underneath Connor's shield, and impales him right in the abdomen, going through the studded leather plates on his armor. Connor, of course, freezes because he has been actively impaled. Kurgan to affect, uh, Kurgan to inflict a little bit of more damage, twists his blade before pulling it out and allowing yeah. Connor to collapse into the all fours position, which is prime decapitation positioning. Um, unfortunately, yes. he raises that sword above his head. He's going to grab it with both hands and slash downward, but he is tackled by Angus and Dougal, as well as other McLeod clansmen. Right. And we get and it, it, it's um I know another time. I know to some people that's their favorite part, but the pre-quickening is really, you know, happening right now. There's lightning forming around them. Mm-hmm. Like it's about ready yeah. to which means whatever creates the immortals, it it's like, oh, it's a little anticipation here of what's about to happen. Yeah, I, I, it does seem very like almost like even when they're writing the battle, like the the score, the 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 fog, it's really kind of like there's something mystical going on here. There's something like you feel like like something. Am I on drugs or something? What's happening in this battle? <laughs> like, like a natural but, gathering of energy. Yeah, yeah. Even nature uh, knows what's going on. Right. Yeah. It's as if the world is reacting to these two immortals uh, uh, gathering. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, Kurgan, not a big fighty fight guy. He's not ready to do the cling clings. He just is like, yeah, I'll just gut you and then decapitate you. And, you know, we're, I'll we're be right done. back, guys. Give me one sec. Okay. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, Say, did you finish your thought before he said that? <laughs> I, I think so. Maybe. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> should, we, should we keep going or I, I have no idea? I want to point out real quick that 
Father uh, Father Rainey grabbing that Fraser shoulder or Fraser uh, Father Rainey grabbing that Fraser soldier and slashing his throat is not mm. exactly within the rules of clergy <laughs> battle et- et- uh, etiquette. Um, according to medieval European canon laws, a priest could not be a soldier and a soldier could not be a priest. Uh, priests were allowed on the battlefield as chaplains, but they could only defend themselves with clubs. Now, I mentioned uh-huh. earlier that Father Rainey was most likely an abbot, so I'm assuming that the added authority of being an abbot, he probably thought he could bend the rules a little bit by bringing a knife into battle and slashing someone's throat and just, you know, asking for forgiveness, forgiveness after yeah. the deed was done. Yeah, he's right out front when they're leaving the castle, so I he does probably think that the Lord is protecting him the entire time, and uh, I'm sure people are like... Like, oh yeah, he's a priest. Let's he's 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 no threat to us. He's like the bagpipers and the drummers, you know. Right. Like they're just here for ambiance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whatever happened, like when when in battle strategy did we A stop screaming our family's names and B stop bringing musicians? Because I we need to get back to a simpler time, people. Let's make battles great again. <laughs> <laughs> make sword fights great again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, you, you guys know, and some of the listeners may know my history with movies, but I'm a big fan of Mad Max Fury Road, and as we know in that movie, a central fixture of the Immortan Joe's Armada is a giant speaker covered wagon with a dude playing a <laughs> flame throwing guitar, yes. and it's a it's an integral part of the battle formation, and one could argue that uh, these bagpipers serve the same purpose or vice versa. And Mm -hmm. Hey, if it works in the post-apocalypse, why can't it work today? I think of it. It's a religion. It, the Morton Joe had a religion. This is a religion. Fighting is the religion of this group. And they do music for for two things, three things. When you get married, when you die, when you fight. Mm -hmm. And this has all the same symbolism. You have a priest there, you have musicians there, it's a big to do. You've you've trudged out into this bog to fight, and I they fight. If it is a, if it's against etiquette, you just murder a musician. You're like, I hate bagpipes. <laughs> just <laughs> ah, it's like, hey, it's I'm just playing bagpipes, man. Do you guys think it's interesting that they? It's not until the TV show that that McLeod sword comes back. It's on the posters. Yeah, it, they never used it in the movie except for when he, when he dies here. He mm-hmm. doesn't have that. He has yeah, the katana. I believe we we see well, him leave it yeah. uh, later on. But. Yeah, he he uses it during his training. For sure. So he's he has it for more than just this little chunk. But of not movie. for like the like it's not the quintessential like when you think of the Highlanders uh, the Highlanders blade you don't think of right. it. Like it's I high, yeah. I know we can bring this up later on. Uh, when the scene actually happens, but part of me really wished that he had kept the sword because it's just so much more difficult to hide underneath a trench coat. No, the big one. He just wears it on his back like a guitar. I mean, the Kurgan has, we're going to get to it. We'll get to it. The Kurgan has an amazing setup. So are we, are we done with this battle? Well, I just want to mention this is, is this, this, oh no, no, this is the second time we hear there can be only one because I think Connor says that after killing Fasil. So that can be only one. And then he gets tackled and he's like, ah, wait, does he say it in the first one? I'm I'm fairly certain. Okay. 
Well, while, while Rick's looking it up, uh, uh, Kurgan gives up immediately. He gets tackled by Angus and Dougal, and he's just like, another time, McLeod! He's just like, I'll get you next time, Gadget. Oh, okay, yeah, this is the first time in the movie that we hear the phrase, there can be... Yeah, they, he doesn't oh, say oh, it really? to Fazil. We think he does. It's a Bernstein uh, bear. It's a Mandela effect. Yeah, a Mandela <laughs> effect. We got. We all think that that's when he says it. He doesn't say uh, it, because remember, I remember, I think we talked about this last episode. Uh, there's time in between our episode records, and so sometimes you just forget. Oh, yeah, yeah. So they, he falls to the ground. Um, we don't see the end of the battle, so we have no idea how Angus and what's his head? What, Dougal? Yep, Dougal. We have yeah. no idea how those two got away from the Kurgan. Do, they, do you think they just push him off a cliff? I assume so. <laughs> well, he's dead. We'll let gravity sort it out. And this amazing transition back. For 1985, this is pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is a... It's a wipe, uh, a wipe into a circle, and yeah. that circle is in the iris of uh, which you know at the time. You know how close that camera was going to have to be to his eye to be able to do that, right? He's it's like, so I can good. See the camera now. Yeah, <laughs> I can see the camera. <laughs> yeah, this is eighty six, by the way. Sorry, yeah. Uh, well, no, no, it was filmed in eighty five. I just like that. It's this is now. F- 450 years into the future from yeah from right and so if there was any confusion about oh is the mcleod we saw in the garage the same mcleod as we saw on the battlefield i mean you could argue oh well it came out of the eye it's obviously his memory why you know right. why would it be someone else someone watching this for the first time might still doubt whether or not the McLeod from this time period is the McLeod from the other period. Cause they're like, Oh, well he died. And then there's like ancestral memory. Maybe it's a reincarnation thing. Oh, it's a little assassin's creed. Yeah. <laughs> Action here. Yeah. Well, that's lame. <laughs> <laughs> this movie would suck. Oh my gosh. So yeah, we, but we need to cut to the future where Connor is driving his Porsche 356, a speed. Oh man. For us gearheads, ah. this is just so wow. good. That is the exact kind of car you would expect an immortal to drive. An impractical <laughs> car. Yep. <laughs> he he yeah. he's, he's driving out of the the thing. He he gets stopped by the police. And I'm like, who called the police? That is one of the questions that has been echoing in my head ever since I watched this. Who called last time? multiple police? It's not like the police. At what point did they call? What was the reason the person who called gave like I assume, Come quickly, pull a lightning. I assume, yeah, I assume it was like there was an explosion reported at the parking garage of Madison Square Garden. It's okay. going to be a big deal. Yeah. They, they, they react like, quick. The fire right. extinguishers are going off. The car yes. alarms are blaring. Something is happening. It might be. The maybe they said, oh, it's a terrorist mid, thing. It's the mid 80s. So I'm, I'm yeah. shocked that they got there in this time. Yeah. Yeah. I, have no idea. I mean, first, the guy's got to go run, find a payphone. Have a quarter. <laughs> I just watched, uh, just so you know, there's a um, a new Alamo draft house opened here in Chicago, and I went and saw Thief yesterday. And in the movie, he keeps having to use, uh, James Conn keeps having to use payphones. And I'm just like, God, I hate that life. God, I hate that world. I hate that world. It's like 1981 Chicago. Yeah. And it's just like, God, what a nightmare. There's, there's a point in the movie where he has to go to a hospital because someone is sick. No one had a way to contact him. So when he calls his wife, she tells him something that probably happened hours ago. You just got to wait on the person to call. <laughs> oh, so that's how I feel about this. It's like there's something going on down there. Someone should go find a phone. OK, I'll be back in 20 minutes. Yeah. 
<laughs> you don't have a quarter? I don't, I don't have even one. know if they had security cameras in parking garages back no, then. No, no, not yet. Some poor parking attendant who's like half asleep, and then he hears a bunch of ruckus and commotion. Can you describe the ruckus? <laughs> <laughs> and we meet a, well, we can swear this podcast, a complete piece of shit. Oh and his gosh. name is Garfield. <laughs> yep. Uh, played by Edward Wiley, who is British. Rest in peace. Uh, he, he, yep, dead. Uh, <laughs> he died. He died at yeah. He died at age forty. That's sad. Wow, yeah, that he, is young. Yeah, he wow. did. He did a couple of roles. He was he was a uh, Cardassian. Um, that does not surprise me at all. Did you read about what happened when he was a Cardassian? No. Uh, yeah, an earthquake struck while they were filming that Deep Space Nine episode, and he had to leave the lot in full Cardassian makeup. That's amazing. <laughs> There's a huge, huge earthquake in 94 in Northridge. So, yeah. But yeah, a bunch of Americans actually auditioned for the part. And according to like IMDb trivia, who knows, um, the Americans that were working in England were so accustomed to like they were constantly bleeding into like English accents while auditioning. So they mm. ended up hiring a British guy who did a pretty good American accent. Yeah. Don't move, pal. Don't even breathe. Like don't that's just move, one of those pal. quotes. Yeah. I love it. It's a great quote. I mean, it's it, I, I remember when I first saw this movie. Well, you know you're gonna love him because he's a piece of shit, and the reason why he's a piece of shit is uh, later on when when we get into the the actual scene where they're in the uh, the thirteenth precinct. Um, at first, of course, he thinks everybody's gay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's like the slur of the '80s. Gay panic, just Isn't a ton of gay panic. Mm-hmm. So he, yeah. yeah, he's a piece of crap. They get Nash. Nash assaults an officer once. Well, he then assaults an officer again. He assaults an officer twice. And I'm pretty sure this would not fly in New York in the 80s. It doesn't fly well, now. It doesn't fly yesterday. Jonathan, did you notice officer. he's white? Did you notice he's white? <laughs> he's um, not from here, though. Oh, that's true. He's a <laughs> yeah. white American. Officer. He's he tries. To, okay, we'll we'll get into it. Uh anyway. Sorry. Yeah, honestly, <laughs> with how the cops roll up on this situation, it's seriously like they were getting ready to fight, you know, Murphy right. and RoboCop. Or someone said, there's a riot in the parking garage. Right. Everyone come yeah. down, bring your guns. <laughs> Instead oh, of yeah. just one wet Frenchman in a, he's in a very wet. He from the, it's from the fighting. No, it's from the, the sprinklers it's from the sprinklers. Oh, that's right. Remember he just yes. had an yeah. orgasm. He just had a, he just had a Highlander orgasm. Yeah. yeah, I would like to think that the reason he wasn't immediately shot by the cops when he punched Garfield the first time <laughs> is that no one likes Garfield. And so they're like, oh, hey, let's let's <laughs> see how God. this shakes out. You I know, we don't want to get involved. It. Yeah, maybe right. maybe they take care of Garfield and he dies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> we uh, we go back to Castle McLeod. Mm-hmm. We have some bagpipes playing a mournful tune and not and- amazing grace. Thank you. Because yeah. it wasn't written yet. Thank you for not having that song play. Ah. Um, so uh, this uh, this priest, sure, he blesses Connor. And then he's just like, hey, there's other people dying. I got I got to get to them. And I, I'm like, Ugh. dude, it's not all about you. What it's a real plumber mentality. Be like, listen, I got like 12 calls today. I got a backed <laughs> up sink down the, down the hall. I got to go across town to take care of a toilet. I can't yeah. hang out all here. And you know, wait for this dude to die. The only way you can tell that he's 27 years old is the fact that he has the body of a small doughy boy. 
this what i was like what i get again that 1980s male aesthetic uh uh because again i was watching a movie last night with james con possibly possibly one of the furriest oh, yeah. men in leading man contention of the 80s he doesn't have a shirt on and his back hair is like his curly back hair Lovely. this is this is just as bad just we an unborn uh, too late we could have been action stars back oh my in god 80s, i'd have been so hot in the 80s now <laughs> it's oh god uh, so yeah, Rachel uh, is oh, crying. Shut up! And Angus Kate. pretty much tells her Kate is weeping. <laughs> okay, not Gosh, Rachel. Start it. <laughs> Who's Rachel? Right? Rachel. Rachel. Rachel comes later. Yeah, yeah. And and he says the last thing he hears should not be that of a weeping woman. And so right. I have a question for the group: What are the last sounds that you want to hear before it better, be a, it better be a weeping woman? Well, I I would love to die in my sleep instead of screaming like the other noted of the car Rick. i'm driving i'll, I'll be there tomorrow so. how about in a mud puddle yeah. <laughs> how about brackish water Sleep, Rick. <laughs> how about with a knife slowly going into your chest <laughs> oh, yeah yeah so if, if the last thing i hear is just the the soft shush, 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 shush. of a nazi yeah that's not great not a great way to go uh, i'm trying to all right but yeah, this this talk about wailing women, it made me think about uh, banshees, which are typically an Irish thing. And uh, like most things in general, uh, there's a Scottish equivalent to an Irish thing and yes. vice versa. Um, in Scotland, like a Marvel DC kind of thing. Exactly. Uh, in <laughs> Scotland, there is a mythical creature called a uh, Quinnyach. Um <laughs> God bless you. And uh, basically... It Not as good a word. is the tormented spirit of a woman, and if you hear her wailing, it is a omen of the death of your clan. So Angus is like, listen, we're Christians, but we're a superstitious bunch, and we don't want Connor to think that you are the tortured wailing that signals the death of his entire clan, because that's <laughs> super depressing, even though he's actively dying. <laughs> Except we know he's not dying, so... Yeah, what happened? Let's talk about Highlander lore. What happens to you when you? It seems like in the rest of the movie, he kind of shrugs off the sword poking. Like later on, there's some scenes when in France and stuff, and there's some later on scenes where he gets cut. The cutting of him, the cutting of a Highlander seems, or not Highlander, but an immortal, seems like the first time it hurts a lot because it's never happened before. Yeah, but I guess you get used to it. Is that what it is? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's like, like getting, getting a tattoo. A needle. Oh, and <laughs> tattoo. See, Robin, we had the same idea. Yeah. Needles were Needles. involved. <laughs> but yeah, it's just like, you know, you you die the first time, you receive that grievous wound, and then from there on out, you've already died before, so you kind of know what it feels like, and it just becomes easier to deal with every time it happens. I wish, and, you know. If you're a rate, if you're raging drunk on Boston Common, then it also helps you to shrug off pain. I, I wish that they showed when he later on has sex. I wish they showed that his stomach has a wound, like a scar. Because with the Kurgan, later on, you see his in this in this cut, you see his sliced neck. Yeah. And I wish there was some showing of like, yeah, you can be a Highlander, but you're still going to more. I keep calling every immortal Highlander <laughs> an immortal. Way, yeah. A, an immortal. You can be an immortal and still have like scars on your face and body and ritual. You know, like you could be ritualistically scarred. Yeah. yeah I think there the, should uh, definitely be more scars. 
this is the this is the first death according to the Highlander Wiki. Mm-hmm. This capital F, capital D. Uh, so I think this is what freezes you in time. Like you don't, you are an immortal. Right. And I'm assuming if nobody kills you all the way till you're geriatric, you yeah. just won't ever die. <laughs> that sucks. The, uh, this freezes you in time. The, the TV show later on has ones where there's a kid who's an immortal. Wow. Who died too young. And it's like, oh, damn. <laughs> Cause now you're a show. kid forever. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So that sucks. Yeah. The, it's very much like vampires, I think. Yeah. Like you're the whole vampire Yeah. It's a real uh, um, Kristen, Kirsten Dunst or yeah. Kristen or Kristen. The, the little girl in Kirsten. interview with a vampire, you know, Kirsten Dunst, the, the Spider-Man girl. The only thing that doesn't make sense is if you go look up the Kurgan and his life, his life started in like 1000 BC ish ish. Mm-hmm. He was a kid who got separated by his parents in some flood i don't know doesn't it doesn't matter but the but the um way that it happened was he was taken in by another by like the kurgan clan basically like mm. a, not not a clan but like a group of whatever it's a thousand years bc so what kind of people were they they were just like nomads that lived in like what is russia okay great mm. but he didn't have his first death until later he was i think it says in there he was hit by uh his the the guy who was whose family was taking care of him hit him with a rock and he didn't die so he then took a rock and heated it up and put it in the guy's mouth and killed him and that's like kind of how he started his life and then it wasn't until later like when he's like 27 ish that he had his first death they don't actually talk about the first death Hmm. um i think it might have been it and I may be wrong, but I I think it implies that uh, Ramirez, in his original life with his original name, gave him his first death at the age of like twenty seven ish, when they were like uh, when he was like running around with the Mongols, you know, attacking uh, Spartans and stuff like that. So that may be why he hates Ramirez because Ramirez killed him. I want all this. I want all. Th- I. Please, go ahead, make a new movie. It's fine. We still have the original, but I put it, put all this stuff in it. I want to. See I would watch a movie about made. Spartan, about a Spartan name. I mean, his name wasn't, uh, you know, Ramirez at that point. He had his real name, whatever it was. Doesn't matter. Uh, but you know, he, if that would be an amazing movie Definitely. about a young Kurgan and a young Ramirez, and let Gerard Butler play Ramirez. <laughs> sure, this is Spartan. Oh, who would be your? <laughs> Who would be your casting right now if you not recasting, but casting younger versions of these people for a movie? Who would your because Connor McLeod doesn't exist. So we've got right. all we've got is the Kurgan. So who's your young Clancy Brown? Who's our big boy? Oh, is it Adam Driver? <laughs> it's gotta be <laughs> it's Adam Driver, right? It's gotta be Adam Driver. Yeah, yeah. That would hundred yeah, percent pasty enough. Yeah. Yes. Uh and then who would your Ramirez be? I kind of like your Gerard Butler suggestion. <laughs> or do we go? Do no. we go? No, you got to go younger. Gerard Butler's like sixty years old. I, well, yeah. okay. R- Ramirez became immortal way before, <laughs> right? You know that. So, like, you got to find someone that like can give off nineteen eighty five Sean Connery vibes. You know, put a, slap a little bit of gray on Gerard Butler when he hasn't shaved for a while, mm-hmm. and he could pull off like that Sean Connery look well, but you don't have to i mean it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be sean Con- it doesn't have to be a scotsman or not you know yeah, what but i mean it's it does- funnier if it is <laughs> <All right. laughs> 
who's the who's the best Scottish actor out right now? Gerard Butler. I, we've already. Come He's not this. the best Scottish actor out right now. <laughs> Did you see Plane? <laughs> um, no, no I one saw Plane. No one saw, saw Plane. You know why? No swords. Oh, that's true. That's true. There are no swords. My life before was just, you know, I watched movies because I enjoyed them. Now I only watch movies that have swords in them. <laughs> yeah. You walked out a thief. You're like, no swords. Boom. Not one sword. <laughs> Sons of bitches. <laughs> Shall we uh, transition back to 1986 again? Hell yeah, oh, man. Did you guys forget that this movie was rated R? Because uh, I did. I mean, and then I, I saw, then I saw Facil's de- decapitated body and I was like, oh yeah, that's right. I have a riddle for you guys, or just a, a, a deep thought, a question that to thank God. If a body is lying face down, but it has no head, does it make it a sound? Really face down. <laughs> <laughs> well, see the, uh, if you imagine, like, in the absence of actual eyes, maybe the the nipples represent eyes, and therefore the, the front of the torso is the new face, and the belly button <laughs> is the little mouth. Yeah. I'm glad they brought up the head because later on uh, the lieutenant does say, hey, cover up the head. But oh, when they on. first, when let's they're covering up the body. Step over one of my favorite lines in this movie that I tried, you know, to, I tried to drop in the Facebook group and nobody got it. You know, if you said, step over, if, if we're stepping over, we're doing better than Lieutenant Moran does. But later on, <laughs> this, does he trip over the head? He absolutely <laughs> trips over the dead body. <laughs> How, I mean, come on. how does forensic or... not get called first? How is this a crime scene? You know, anything CSI they New get York didn't exist back then. Nash could. Wait, it's 1981, not 1881. <laughs> Why? I mean, Nash's lawyers would be like, um, the crime scene was contaminated. I saw we have video of the lieutenant tripping over the body. Strangely enough, when forensics, our, our our friend Brenda, Brenda Wyatt, shows up on the scene. Hey, welcome. She is where she's seems to be wearing the colors of the Frasers. She jacket. is. <laughs> It'd be amazing if her, her name was Bre- like Brenda Frazier. Or Rachel Brenda Frazier. Frazier. <laughs> uh Roxanne Hart, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh the verdict, oh god, you devil. And then after Highlander, it's just a bunch of TV. And but she did she was one of the regulars on Chicago Hope. So, uh, starring w- one of the best swordsmen, uh, Indigo Montoya. Yes. Indigo Montoya? Inigo. Indigo. It, it's not Indigo. It's Inigo. Indigo. It's not Indigo. Indigo Montoya. Indigo Montoya. Indigo. Inigo. <laughs> like, like, imagine the sword tip, Inigo. It's I-N-I-G-O. Ah. It's Inigo. Oh, it's no. There's no D in there. There's no D. <laughs> wow. Not like later in this chunk. You're like Indigo Montoya. <laughs> Hello, my name is Indigo Montoya. I am very blue. <laughs> I'm very blue because, because my, my daddy is, is dead. dead. <laughs> I, I think my word should be should be taken over all of you because I I'm the only one who's had a Princess Bride cast member on one of my podcasts. So, yeah. So if anybody <laughs> should get it right, you should. I, yeah, no, I'm just What's saying my excuse? word should just be like. Did you say indigo in front of somebody from the movie? Chris Sarandon was on Friday Night Minute. Okay. <laughs> oh, uh, Frank Moran. We have Frank played by Alan North, not Peter. Uh, he was in the. <laughs> Make the sure original... not that porn star. 
<laughs> he was in the original uh, police squad. He yep. played the captain and was replaced by George Kennedy in the movies because they yep. wanted more of a face. Oh, I thought he was dead. Was he not dead when those movies came out? I don't. He died in 2000. So he oh. was getting there. He was, he, was also, he was getting there. Hey, how did he die? There. Was he slowly put underwater? <laughs> no, I think it was because he was featured as one of the cast members of the Jerky Boys movie. Uh, which He was also on Guiding Light. His character, Jack Bauer. Excuse me? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> you, can't just, you can't just take those names and change them and use them again. <laughs> no one will ever know. Yeah, this one came unassembled. I like that. Man, Frank, uh, Lieutenant Frank Moran has some excellent lines uh, in this section of the movie. Um, obviously, you mentioned came unassembled when Garfield makes a terrible joke. He's like, oh, Christ, you're a barrel of laughs, Garfield. Just <laughs> really trying to knock him down. A peg. Garfield sexually harasses our ingenue two seconds into the movie. Our, looking, uh, good, looking good. Looking wait, you're thinking of uh, Detective uh, Walter oh. Bedsoe. Yes. Am I? It's a French yeah, not Garfield. John Polito, Sans mustache. Which uh, looks weird. Yeah. Yeah. How uh, old was he in this? 22? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't look it up. He looks 50. But uh, Coen Brothers, uh, like five Coen Brothers movies, The Crow. Uh, I guess he was in Always Sunny. I, did, I didn't make it that far, but uh, I guess he plays Danny DeVito's brother yes. in that. I've got a great quote from him. Okay. He says, I just remember it being a lot of fun to shoot both in London and New York. We came to New York for locations as well. I didn't quite figure out what the hell was going on. It's a tough movie to figure out. Of course, Christopher Lambert is a very interesting actor, but him playing the Scotsman is just hysterical. I think the film is really a lot of fun to watch as a camp classic. I love the idea. You got so many accents. There couldn't be more accents. (laughs) But the... But one of the great gifts of the movie was getting to meet Clancy Brown, who played the bad guy. Clancy was a real force to be reckoned with. I remember loving Clancy as a person. So, uh, yeah, the, the John Polito had uh, apparently was asked about Highlander. So <laughs> I love this. There's just, just so many accents. It's so true. It's so true. Like, what's the number one pastry that you get a cankering for? Uh, oh, uh, what do they get? What is it? Uh, a cherry cheese, of cheese Danish. Oh, cherry in any Danish is gross, but. Uh, it sounds delicious to me. I can't eat it. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you can't eat anything, Robin. So that doesn't, that doesn't count. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's empty calories. Yeah. 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 There, there's even, there's, I guess they're, they're trying their best to keep this crime scene in order. They're keeping Are they? all these people from leaving. Yep. <laughs> they're all I just mean, like, my wife, man, come on. The, the guy wearing the, the Baltimore Orioles level. hat. Cause they're in <laughs> Canada or wherever they are. Vancouver. And they're <laughs> yeah. like, they're in Jersey. They're in like, Jersey. And they even make a joke like, oh, somebody was killed like this in New Jersey. They're not like, oh, in yeah, Jersey, just... Robin. Robin, they well, shot most f- of this movie yeah. in London. Oh, right. yeah. Well, maybe this park. They're garage. not in. Well, they're the only garage. for the exteriors. And yeah. the garage is supposed to be in Manhattan. So, yeah, that's right. Sorry. When the new when the news comes over the teletype that some guy was killed just like that over in Jersey, <laughs> that's how you get. Oh, yeah. It's that Manhattan sensibility that makes them say, yeah, but I figure what the hell? That's just Jersey. Just I love Jersey. how much Jersey gets raked over the coals in this slice of the movie. It's yeah. so it feels so right. Roxanne did they bring is a, a native New Jerseyite. By the why way. did they bring a uh, stretcher? Why didn't they bring a box and a much smaller stretcher so they could? <laughs> Do you have a what child you're saying stretcher? is that 
Someone should have been on the sidelines yelling, get him a body bag! Someone, uh. bring, someone bring the child stretcher. That's what we need. <laughs> oh. Yeah, and, uh, uh, and Brenda, Eagle Eye, Brenda walks right across the body, does nothing with it, even though it's been touched a hundred times, mm-hmm. and then tripped over by Frank because <laughs> she sees a sword on the ground. Yes. Uh, can I, I'm sorry. We skipped over. We we mentioned it. We we made reference to it. But yes, one of my favorite lines of this movie is Garfield cover that head. And it's totally eighty yard in, but yeah. it, it just Garfield cover that head. It's just hilarious to me. It's on his know. way as he's walking. He's walking. He's over already to see tripped what, over it. Yeah, he's walking over to see what Brenda's got. <laughs> he's kicked it across the parking garage. And we see the the we see the sword, the beautiful yes, the Toledo Salamanca. Uh, uh, Rick, tell us about the Toledo Salamanca. <laughs> All right, so the Toledo Salamanca. I don't know. It's like it's like a game show. You're like, tell us about <laughs> tell us about their prize, the Toledo Sa- Salamanca. I don't know if it was made in the city of Toledo or the city of Salamanca, but there's a special <laughs> technique used by swordsmiths in the city of Toledo where they would give their blades a in cl- Spain, not in Toledo, Ohio. Right, Toledo, Spain. <laughs> uh, but they would give their swords a core of iron. Okay. And what that, that would do is it would give the outer steel covering more rigidity and it would uh, not warp and bend as much as just pure steel blades. So what's likely the situation here is it is a Toledo style blade, but this rapier was made in the city of Salamanca, Spain. Um, and obviously it is uh-huh. steel blade, iron core, ivory handle gold filigree basket how does she know it's real she's got an eye for it she wrote the book on medieval metallurgy yeah we'll get to it uh how does she know it's real i understand as real as the flash movie Uh, yeah right (laughs) this sword is as real as the flash movie i wish that was the line in this yeah like what what it'll be funny Uh, in 20 years (laughs) 20 years. No, wait, uh, 80, 90, no, uh, 40 years. Oh yeah. God. Um, <laughs> I just wanted to say, I appreciate those facts about the sword. It, it's kind of, it, 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 it's interesting. This is the kind of the part of the podcast where Jonathan and I, we just have to kick back. We're like, yeah, we know all this stuff, but it's for the listeners. We're mm-hmm. sword right. boys. We know all this. I mean, stuff. when you're a sword boy, you, you grew, <laughs> I grew up on a Toledo Salamanca. God. I mean, let's all be yeah. honest. Yeah. Yeah, this is also 1981 when you could say something like a million dollars and they'd look at it like, oh, my God. What? Yeah. A million dollars used to mean something. That's because mm. both of those all three of those people together probably make thirty seven thousand dollars a year. So this is back when you're, I, I'm a lieutenant in the New York Police Department. I make fourteen hundred dollars a year. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The only reason that Brenda has any money to buy tartan shirts is because she's also an author she has a side hustle <laughs> she's an author oh this is also back when being an author meant something <laughs> all right well we've said it enough time i just want to make the, make make this like of course the csi that wrote the book on swords is the one that's going to be connected like of mm-hmm. course like yep our, our, our best sword person is here <laughs> we didn't even I, know we can, were bringing a sword person. see i'd be different if they'd brought her in because she works in uh, knives, sword, like she's the like the yeah. the the knife lady, basically, yeah. <laughs> for New yeah. York City, which would be a thing. 
in the eighties to have a knife lady. Can we nominate Brenda Wyatt as an honorary sword boy? She is a sword boy. Yeah. <laughs> Remember, you don't boy have to be a the, you don't have to yeah. be a boy. It's boy in the the Gender most general sets. of senses. Yeah. Exactly. A sword day. She's no. she's a sword being person. Sword being. Ooh, sword being. I like yeah. that. Yeah. Welcome to our podcast, Sword Beings, Cut by Cut. Sword Beings. Go to swordbeings.biz. We'll meet the sword beating, sword beatings. We'll meet the sword beings in part two. Yeah, the sword beatings will continue until morale improves. The sword beings are giving sword beatings. Yeah. Yeah. She finds um, the sword. They take the sword. This is all we see of Brenda. She says it's really expensive. Okay, cool. Yep. We, we got. Yeah, we right. move she on gets to sexually harassed. Hello, Brenda. You look pretty today, Brenda. Oh God. We get. We get. Uh, then speaking of being sexually harassed, we are mm. in the uh, in the room with Connor McLeod and Garfield. The sexual tension oh, is. Oh yeah. Uh, is uh, deep. I this love is this moment. This is the thirteenth precinct. You can only tell yes. because Garfield's got the thirteens. That is near Gramercy Park. I looked it up just to make sure. Interesting. That's, that's the that's the borough that they're in. They're in Gramercy Park. They um uh this is a great scene. And again, there's no way he's 27, man. <laughs> he eyeballs so much. Uh, yeah. the Garfield Garfield stares at Connor and then Connor just kind of turns and puts that icy glare on him and make Garfield just uncomfortably turn away. <laughs> like mm-hmm. okay. And like from that he's just like, okay, now I'm in now I'm intimate now I'm upset that he intimidated me. And it's a whole like uh, you know, male ego kind of thing going on with Garfield, especially. Yeah. And uh and Frank walks in with a giant tape recorder, a bag of sword, and a red envelope, a red uh, folder. Yeah. yeah, great dialogue. You ever go to over to Jersey Nash? Not, Not if, if I can, I can help, help it. it. Great, awesome, <laughs> man. I I it's feel so Claudia bad. Nash, where are you from? I feel so bad for Vasilik because the guy's oh, an immortal. God. He lives for how many hundreds of years? Comes all the way from Poland and he gets decapitated in New Jersey. Oh man, oh. Just, everything's legal in New Jersey. Yeah, an entire Nobody lifetime that just led up to such an ignominious end. Another reason I think that you can assume this is in London is because everything on the walls is the most like, hey, London people, what would you have in a New York precinct? How about a map of Manhattan? How about a map of another part of Manhattan? And if you look really closely behind Nash, there is a blueprint of the 13th precinct. Why would that be up on a board? In an uh, interrogation room, no less. What, let me look. Let's see. Where am I? I'm here. And the exit closest exit is over here. Listen, if there's ever an assault on Precinct 13, they're going to need that map. They're mm-hmm. going to need a good the blueprint. Point. You so. should look at, here's a way to remember, uh, this is for you, Robin. Here's a way to remember that this is being shot in another country. If you see an outlet, it's been shot in America. If you don't see an outlet, it's those effed up, weird European outlets, <laughs> and they're not going to show them. Yeah. So just uh, also, I think this is a set like as the scene ends when Connor's walking out, we don't want to skip anything, but uh, it's like shot up from the floor. And I swear there's no ceiling right at the, the last couple of seconds there. Wait, no yeah, ceiling at all. Like this is in a, a, a studio a yeah, in a warehouse. A studio. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, you get a pretty low angle right around like 10, 58, 11 minutes in. And it's yeah, you're looking up at a vaulted 
ceiling that has steel girders holding up and it almost looks a little arced it looks exactly how you imagine the inside of a sound stage would look yeah it's really it's either like a really like tall room or yeah i don't know i don't know but, if uh, many new york buildings that have ceilings that are that high can we get every uh every episode of sword boys to open up with frank moran saying what's that and Connor McLeod saying a sword. I mean, yeah, <laughs> it, it might be this week's. <laughs> and they, uh, so yeah, uh, uh, Garfield's an idiot. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- this is the worst alibi. I mean, he's not under. He's again. They handcuffed him and threw him up against the car. He has such a case against mm-hmm. Garfield and the NYPD. He's not mm-hmm. charged with anything, right? I mean, Frank's theory is pretty sound. Like, you've got an old, expensive sword. You've got Mm -hmm. an antiques dealer. You've got one dude who was decapitated by a sword. So it it stands to reason, like, okay, the antiques dealer wants to buy the sword, doesn't like the price, cuts off the dude. But he leaves the sword behind, which really puts a hole in Frank's theory. Yeah. Then why would he leave the sword behind? Exactly. Yeah, um, and, and of the, course, the, but Garfield his, is just an asshole. Yeah. So yeah, Garfield is an asshole. But Connor McLeod's answer is even worse. Maybe <laughs> he was upset over the terrible wrestling and cut his own head off. <laughs> you can't do Come that, on, Connor. That's not how that works. You've been around for five hundred years, and you can't come up with a better lie. Um. Yeah. So. So yeah, he Garfield calls him a, a slur, which I don't want to say, but I I love Connor just like playing into that like you cruising for a piece of ass like like uh, obviously it's gonna uh, uh, upset the uh the guy that's uh making that kind of slur even more because it's again i would hope masculinity i would hope that immortality also comes with a level of wokeness or a level of just (laughs) cosmopolitan thought towards sex because after a certain point you've literally done it all yeah. And you're like, yeah, yeah, I was hetero for a while and then I wasn't. Now I am again. And then I wasn't. It just kind of like, you know, I mean, the Kurgan's like, I've I've had sex with animals and horses, <laughs> whatever, whatever floats, man. I mean, yeah. it has to be in, intolerable after a certain amount of time. You're just like, I don't know. This is the heart wants what the heart wants. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's something that they talked about in that Charlize Theron immortal movie, uh, mm-hmm. The Old Guard, which. Oh, yeah. I Swords. mean. There was, is there it, there is a sword in it. <laughs> yeah, the the signature weapon is more of an axe. Yeah, um, but oh, yeah, you know they they explain they explore just that. We'll leave it for the axe boys, right? <laughs> they got some movies. Fuck those guys. <laughs> so smug. They're so smug. They're little tiny sharpened axes. Can't even cut both ways. You can only cut one way. <laughs> So yeah, the the a fight breaks out. He does not actually hit Garfield, but he goes. He poor poor John Polito gets punched in the face and knocked right across the room. So that's like yeah, he yeah. doesn't he doesn't hit Garfield, but this would still be assault. Touching a police officer is assault. Yeah, he gets a he doesn't even get a slap on the wrist for I mean because yeah he's arrested under I mean they're I don't know were they could they have they roughed him up they they. You know, they, they could have held him. him in their Yeah, they could have yeah, held they, him. They were holding him for questioning. Yeah. Um, which, you know, they're well within their rights to. I think they're allowed to do it up until like 24 hours 
I think is the rule. But yeah, if you're not actively under arrest, like they can't really hold you. I'm actually surprised that like Connor didn't have a lawyer show up to bail him out. That's an immortal like lawyer that he would do. Yeah. Yeah. Just thought out of ice. <laughs> unfrozen Just, caveman. I don't know any yeah, of your, unfrozen uh, caveman lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> Phil, Phil Hartman shows up and he's first, like, now listen uh, here. <laughs> your world is so confusing to me. <laughs> so we've been talking about, they've been ragging on New Jersey and all the bad things in New Jersey, but you know, look what comes out of New Jersey. Look what drives into the city from New Jersey. Yeah. Ah, yes. The current. Oh, okay. Can I please? Yep. It also left a man's decapitated body lying on the floor next to his own severed head. A head which at this time has no name. And we get a little queen. I know <laughs> his name. There it is. <laughs> Here I am. This is amazing introduction to 80s Kurgan. Just yep. the just screaming Freddie Mercury. I'm the master of your destiny. <laughs> like, and, and just... The slick black hair, the the scars, the leather, the chains, the spikes. In fact, uh, I read a bit, bit of trivia. Clancy Brown originally wanted the Kurgan to be dressed in a suit and a bowler hat. Oh, that's okay. an interesting way to go. Yeah, that'd be interesting. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I definitely think the Kurgan is Jack the Ripper. I, mm. I'm going to assume in the lore that he is the evil of the past 2000 years. Uh, he, uh, I like that he goes to a, he goes to a, uh, Holiday Inn Express. <laughs> puts his Are name we, in the book. Uh, I hope know, that he found a nice garage to park his 1975 Cadillac Coupe de Ville. Cause, oh, well, that wasn't that nice that kind back of thing then. You this don't is park a five year old car. It's a five or six year old car at this point. <laughs> our, how, what are we, what are our thoughts on the song? Give me the prize, by the way. Cause it's, Easily Queen's like least favorite of the, the, the songs that they had to do for this movie. <laughs> I'd say it's not great. I'm glad it's used right here and much. that's it. Yeah. I appreciate the aggression that you yeah. find in the performance of the song. But I mean, other than that, it's good for like 30 seconds. But the, the, the whole song is. Yeah, that's. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So he signs his name as Victor Kruger. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Probably had to really resist the urge to name himself Freddy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I had some trivia about that. Uh, Victor Kruger. Victor, of course, means winner. Kruger might have been falsely seen as a variation on the German word Krieger, which means warrior. So mm. Victor Krieger would mean winning warrior, but the Kruger actually means someone who produces jars or pitchers. <laughs> That's me. I, invent, I invented jars because 3,000 years ago, we didn't have jars. Yeah. Well, you know, if, you know what? I'm not, not going to talk about jar boys. They know what they did. Oh, man. Uh, beef, yeah. beef had with jar boys. Uh, I say, just, if you spend all of your energy fighting and training to fight and decapitating people and you're like, oh, no, I need a fake name. All right. Well, I'm the Kurgan. Uh, if I shift the R over, hmm. it, it, you get Krugen. Just erase part of the N. Kruger. Boom. There you yeah, go. As a kid, did either of you ever think about changing your name and being another person? Because I did. And I have a, I have a fake name that I've never used. Really? Yeah. Is this the day you debut it? 
Yeah. Will you be known as this for, from here on out? No, I don't think so. I don't think it'll stick. <laughs> David Lippincott. I thought that just is a really forgettable name. Ah, uh, see, you know, that's one of those names where you could very easily tweak it into an unfavorable, uh, you know, moniker. Yeah, but if someone, if you met someone and they, they said their name was David Lippincott, you would forget who they were in two minutes. My friends and I actually came up with a fake person and we used to always uh, uh, say like, uh, it's this person's fault or whatever. We made up this whole fake character that lived in our high school, like, like, uh, we called it like the dungeon, but it was like more like a boiler room or whatever. And we called him Andy Pullmutter. We were like, it was a Andy janitor that just lives below the school. Andy Pullmutter, like David Lippincott. Yes. Rick, do you have a fake name? Well, see, I just love the power play of telling people that they pronounced my name wrong. You know, they're like, they're like, obviously my last name is Ingham, but if they're, they're like Ingram, Ingram, and I'm like, no, it's Ingham. And I get to like, you know, be above them for just the tiniest little. There's moment. no G in it. Like there's no D in Inigo Montoya. Right. <laughs> the D is silent. <laughs> the G is silent in Ingham. <laughs> can, can we talk about Buck, the hotel clerk? We oh, can. Buck. He's you, just did you guys seediest, look him up? Seediest individual. I assumed you would because you seemed really excited about the hotel. The actor, Richard Bonehill. Who is mm-hmm. not with us anymore, but has played stormtroopers and snow troopers and scout troopers and Empire and Jedi. And he is also the guy who played Nine Numb. What? That's Nine Numb? Buck, the hotel He's... clerk, is sitting next to Lando in the Falcon. <laughs> that's not Lando. That's a black man with a beer bottle. What is wrong with you? <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I could not believe I was like, that's Nine Numb? <laughs> that's amazing. It also is just like, oh, now my, like, I honestly, you know, I thought he was an Asian guy that played Nine Numb. And so uh, for some stupid reason, it's just a whole ton of makeup on him. But now, so you know, it's he checks guy. in and then the chatty black man who's sitting next to him. What does he say, Robin? Says, Me and my, again, I got shout out to my best friend Fryer from when we grew up. We tried writing out the script for this. And this guy, what he says, just cracks me up and i'm sure there's an actual spelling or an actual line written down in the script but to me for all my years i always think he says that's right mr kruger lucky strikes miss spank the butt okay that's not what it is i say the actual line the the actual line is that's right mr kruger lucky strike means fine tobacco that is not it's not what he says to say anything about fine. That is he exactly what he says. Spanking he the butt. Talk about spanking the butt. And he that's says, why Lucky Buck Strike is so means offended. fine tobacco. Because it's a line from the, the old Lucky Strike line. Yeah. Sure. Go no, listen he, to it. That's what he says. I have. I have Rick, listened to you, it a what million times. Rick, what do you concur, times. Rick? Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Thank you. Um, but does he sound like he says that? <laughs> well, he says here's what you got to do. When you're watching this, go <laughs> off and be looking up something in your Google doc and not be looking at it and just listen. And I was like, Oh, he says, okay, Mr. Kruger, lucky strike means fine tobacco. Now he doesn't say it the way I say it. Like with the inflection I do, he says it in some weird ass way. Like tobacco doesn't sound like tobacco. It's like, like he's diamond fine tobacco. Yeah. It's like, he says it like a drunk in the lobby of a cheap hotel. It's like, there's still if uh, go for, that that line for me, Robin, is in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. 
There is okay. a scene when Spicoli is asleep and his brother tries to wake him up. With and a sword? He no, he takes a oh. what looks like a snorkel, he throws it at his brother. He's like, get out of here. And he goes, Dad, uh, Jeff threw his flu flu at me. It says <laughs> sounds like flu flu. And for this, I'm, and this was in the edited version. So we never knew if he was saying, was he saying fucking shoe? Is it a shoe? <laughs> and they edited it and said flu flu. Cause this was the, if you've never watched fast times at Ridgemont high, there is an edited version for TV that is a hundred times better because the things they put in there are like the, you know, the melon farmer from Die Hard. Oh, right, it's right, that right, yeah. good. It's like, you know, there's there. And, and we'll, we're, for years, we still have no idea what it says. It's just Stay one of those things on. that no one's ever. I mean, I've watched, I guess if I watch it with closed captioning, someone has said, or it'll say kid says something. Cause I've noticed sometimes in closed caption, they get really lazy. Like sometimes someone will be speaking in Hindi and it says speaks Hindi. And you're like, that's not good. You should go find out what they said. Were you scared for uh, Buck, the hotel clerk, when he's just like, I'm going to need 20 up front. It seems like uh, the Kurgan is like, he's just like, all right, I could kill this guy. I yeah. I love that the Kurgan have money when he when he was first showing up. I was like, oh, to be poor after three thousand years seems <laughs> inconvenient. Yeah, at it's best. a waste of time. <laughs> but obviously, he he must have hordes of cash. He definitely has Nazi gold somewhere. Yeah, definitely. yeah, yeah definitely, hundred percent. So yeah, there. Uh, I was looking around trying to find if if there the Kurgan has. If you go read the Kurgan wiki, he was involved in 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 Nazi Germany too. So it's just like, ugh, okay. But uh, yeah, if there's anything you need, broads or blow, just dial O. That's right, Mr. Kruger. <laughs> Look, a strikes me and spanked butt. <laughs> <laughs> that's just how it, how it, I'm sorry, that's how I hear it. Don't talk to the guests. Shall we go up to the Kurgan's hotel room? Which, honestly, despite how grody looking this hotel is, the room looks not that bad. It's a pretty big room. Yeah, it's a good it's room. not that bad. He's it's a, it's a good sized room for if you want to pull out your two handed broadsword and swing it around, do some globetrotter shit. Exactly. <laughs> you can I'd replace the music in this scene with the globetrotters theme, and it pretty much works. <laughs> Especially when he's spinning the uh, sword around his arm. Yes, that that's what. <laughs> what are you going to use that in battle, there, Kurgan? How's that going to work? I don't know. Uh, it's I, just. You get yeah, a lot of upstairs. time with your sword, thousands of years. I guess so, you're yeah. learning all sorts of fun he things. Goes upstairs, and um, I, I've not been, I've not been doing my job of telling you what's missing from the book in each scene. Oh, in okay. this scene especially, we do learn that his sword was this, this particular sword is different than the one he killed Connor with originally. This yeah. was made for him 300 years ago. Oh, okay. okay. Because there's the same, no it's way the same he, sword of the movie, right? Yeah, it's the same actual yeah. sword, but like he's had it made into a collapsible version. Three hundred years ago, a sword maker made his sword into the current configuration. My God, this collapsible sword bothers me so much. Okay, oh, let's talk about let's it. You got a beef to this? I, I have a real beef with it because the whole thing. <laughs> with swords is that the blade and the tang which is the bit that goes down through the guard and the handle is supposed yes. to be all one sorry, piece the listeners, from tip to and tang. you should never measure from the tang <laughs> you measure from the cross guard right anyway 
<laughs> and the idea is that like the tang goes down through the handle and then you put the pommel on it and then you mash the the tang down flat and it locks everything into place so that stuff doesn't fly apart mid-battle uh right. speaking of flying apart mid-battle uh if you have a blade that is in two parts that clicks together with only a few inches of insert on one end of the blade like when you go to strike something, that blade is going to break in two and the top of your sword is going to go flying. Like the things that he does with this sword later in, in this scene and later on in the movie, it makes no sense because a sword constructed like that would break almost instantly. Yeah. I was going to say, it makes sense why he immediately guts Connor in battle and uh but yeah it's true like he's sitting there swinging us around all of a sudden like a piece goes flying across the room <laughs> yeah flying out across the room through the wall like <laughs> through candy if there's, if there's one thing oh, that i really yeah. appreciate about this sort of i don't know training thing that he's doing in his room loosening up whatever is that it shows that over the thousands of years that the kruger that kruger that kurgan has been alive he is capable of more finessed movement more flashy sword fighting but then when he actually just goes into battle his game plan is overpower them with raw strength and crush them into dust like he can do the fancy sword fighting stuff but he would rather just destroy you yeah it's it's it adds multi-dimensionality to kurgan's character i i love, I love the Kurgan. I love the little it's it's die hard. It's the die hard Tai Chi die hard two. Yep. Oh yes. You know, it's yeah. the it's the I'm gonna get prepared. Why is it the, the Kurgan nude? Oof. Be a lot. Be a lot yep. going on. You Listen, see you a, definitely he, see tape. T- t- yeah. He had a stressful travel. He wasn't flying, but it, he was traveling out of Jersey into Manhattan, which is stressful. So he gets out and he takes his shoes off and he makes little fists with his toes mm-hmm. in the carpet, makes him oh, feel yeah. better. Yeah. <laughs> Oh. We talk candy. Okay. Oh. I, so, I really want to say real quick. Okay. Oh, please. I know that there is a long-standing tradition of bad guys having weapons that collapse into briefcases, so they take it out and put it together and all that other stuff, like snipers and whatnot. Um, Casey <laughs> Jones, as a character in Ninja Turtles, existed while this movie was being made, so they could have given the Kurgan, if he wanted to, dress up in his fancy suit and bowler hat, give him a golf bag with the sword inside. Well, that's and... not... A golf bag is not a... It's not in a collapsible. There's nothing collapsed in. I need, I need three instances of bad guys with collapsible weapons. <laughs> now. Oh, geez, right off the top of the... Oh, God. You got a sword beef right now. <laughs> oh, is this a duel? This is our first duel. This is our first duel. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> well, I'm going to back off because as in normal sword fights where there are groups involved, I don't want to fight on t- with you fighting as well. That'd be too many people fighting at once. I'm backing off. Uh, All right. Well, there is an Ikea. <laughs> there is a TV trope called the Ikea weaponry trope. And oh, yeah. Rick, I will take I will take um, I all the president's men movies. I believe when he makes the gun out of wood and then assembles it under the table. Well, that's gun boys though. I know. Well, we can shout out gun boys a little bit. I'm, I'm not saying swords. I said weapons. Let's see in it, bullet. There are two assassins that make use of collapsible 1897 pump shotguns that break down into a case. Well, that's bullets. Uh, 
in Cobra, there's one. That's Cobra's. Uh, Carl from Die Hard has, you know, his uh, stare AUG is collapsible that he has to put together. Okay. All right. Um, in the fifth element, the ZF-1 is uh, All right. That's a designed good. You to may, Right now you're reading a case. list. You're reading I am a legalist, list. absolutely. Right. Of what? Collapsible weapons? <laughs> yeah. Oh. The I it's called the IKEA weaponry trope. All right. Okay. All right. Beef over. Thank you, TV Tropes, for bailing me out of that one. <laughs> All right, let's talk uh, about Hooker. Candy. Candy. Yeah. Candy. Not, that is not a split diopter shot. I'm sorry to say. She is incredibly out of focus. Oh, okay. It, it's a cool shot, though. It's a great shot, I, but I love the, the not a split yeah. diopter. So the actress Corinne Russell, oh. uh, which you guys did she play Nine Numb too? I didn't want you guys <laughs> to scoop me on this, Kit, uh, unless you know this. Uh, if if you know this because she looked it up, not no fair. You can't answer this question. What '80s rock video was Corinne Russell, who plays Candy, the main focus of? I'm going to go with Cherry Pie because that's the only song I could think of. I did not read anything. Am I close? Okay. Nope. That's 90s. I mean, I mean, I, yeah, I guess this is a raw decade. 80s, huh? Rick, Rick seems, does Rick know? I want to guess white, something by White Snake, but uh, I was also. Uh, slip of the tongue. Person. That would yeah. be Tawny Contain. Corinne Russell is the main focus of the video for ACDC's You Shook Me All Night Long. She is oh the she is the girl God. that is being chased around. She's the one riding the mechanical bull as the stage comes into focus. Uh, it's amazing. Actually, fun fact about the mechanical bull scene in the ACDC video for You Shook Me All Night Long, she actually jabbed herself, injured herself with the spurs that she was wearing. The roadie, a roadie came to her aid and helped her out. And uh, they ended up getting married like a year later. And Angus Young gave them a mechanical bull as a wedding present for a joke. Why and, do you uh, keep bringing up things that are going to go on a horse boys? <laughs> Sorry. They divorced a year later. Oh, uh, good. But good. I, <laughs> go ahead and watch. You shook me all night long. She pretty much looks. She's she looks like a, a, a cleaner candy version. <laughs> she's, she's yeah. She, I mean, cause honestly, the costuming here, she's, Especially with, like it looks like either cigarette burns or heroin track oh, marks up and down her arms. Yeah, that's drug. Ooh. That's drug sores. The um, mm. the difference between this and the book, uh, just so you guys know, he doesn't actually kill Candy. He has sex with her, and it's unsatisfying. He's unsatisfied with sex with the hooker Candy. The Kurgan recalls a whore in Florence, Italy, and that he found quite pleasing. I need to read this. I don't uh, think it's good because th- what I've got this, there's six things so far ahead of this and I'm on page 77 of the book. There's not a ton. It's not a ton. Yeah. The differences are they added stuff. There's very little difference between the movie and the book. Uh, I, I love novelizations. It's uh, how I found out that Peter Vincent's character, that Roddy McDowell character in Fright Night uh, his name is not Peter Vincent. It's like Herbert McGulacuddy or something like that. <laughs> David like, Lippincott. Yeah, David Lippincott. Andy Polmutter. Uh, but yeah, I just reached the end of my notes, guys. I, I'm yep, that's the end of this very, cut. Very happy. Yep. I uh, love the way that this cut closes because we get the shot of Candy swinging the door shut, and that's where we cut off. So, listeners, if you're actively watching along, first of all. 
this episode has gone on so long the movie is over but rewind to when that door closes and then we'll pick up next time yep of course you are yeah so and yeah Don't this is it, let's quickly get our what's what's your sort of the uh cut I, mine's the kurgans oh, it's a thousand times it's kurgan from the old times kurgan from the new times 100 percent sword play awesome loved it i mean i have to go with mcleod the mcleod family sword i have oh, the to, big one yeah i love it that never sword. gets I've used i always want one I've never want gets one. used it says mcleod on it i've got to have it yeah. it makes me want to scream the name over and over and over again yeah i i've got to go with old kurgan sword before it's made into a piece of trash that's going oh, rick to can't handle the fact that the blade's in two pieces and that I the cannot and that the taint it. is something i don't know what something 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 taint that's all i heard <laughs> you can find us at swordboys.biz make sure to send us an email at swordboys.biz at gmail.com you can also find us on the facebook uh, by going to, by looking for swordboys.biz slash group. Like, spell all these things out and you'll find normally. Yep. Normally for the Facebook group. But leave the dot in it for the email address. <laughs> it doesn't matter. No one's sending us email. It's fine. Swordboys.biz. It'll have all our links. Oh, the fan mail's got to come in. Can't wait. And the chain Can't mail. Wait to see it. Coming up next time, Connor and Brenda cross paths in a pub after their near miss in the parking garage. Kurgan ambushes Connor in an industrial park, and it's back to the Highlands where Connor's miraculous recovery proves problematic for his kinsmen. It's not the end of the world for our Highlander as he quickly finds another lady love and is likewise discovered by another famous Scotsman. Ding, ding. Clang, clang. Is it ching, ching or clang, clang? It's cling cling. Cling cling. Cling cling. Cling cling. Oh. I like a cling clang sometimes. Okay. Then we'll sign off with our normal sign off, which is Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. Spank my butt. <laughs> Spank my butt. <laughs> cling cling. <Ching-ching-bang. laughs>